A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County takes senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. Powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com, I'm your host, Eric Cross. We're continuing our Dynasty and Prospect Ranking Series today, jumping into the outfield. And with me to break it all down is my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Well, you're definitely diving right into the outfield because there's so many names to cover, so many names on our list in both Dynasty and Prospects. We're diving right in here. I'm looking forward to the talk. Always good to talk Dynasty. And we're back again for the third time this week, and I'm really looking forward to it. Hope you've been enjoying the episodes. We thank you to all the listeners who have supported us. We are I know a lot of people are getting back into baseball. So thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. And I know Eric does as well. Echo everything Chris just said there. But the question I have for you right now, Mr. Clegg, have you gone to the store to pick up your bread and milk with the impending the, storm? Yeah, I went to the store today. <laughs> And literally, like we always shop at Aldi, which is like a cheap grocery store. I don't know if you have Aldi in uh, we don't. in Maine. Yeah, it's like a, it's like just I don't know why, but it's just cheaper groceries. But anyway, so I passed Ingles on the way, and Ingles was like packed out the wazoo, and this was like at four thirty. So this was like before most people got out of work. Walmart was packed, but you know, every I don't understand it. Like we're projected to get a couple inches of snow on Saturday night and Sunday. And everyone like flips out and gets bread and milk. <laughs> there was no bread or milk in the store. And I don't understand like why. I, I just don't get that combo. Gotta I gotta have the, your toast. Yeah, I guess you can keep. <laughs> and if the power goes out, I guess you can keep your milk cold if you put it outside in the snow. But then again, like I don't drink much milk. I'd rather have water in that case. And bread's whatever. I'll just eat a different snack. Bread's bread's not really going to sustain me. So I don't see right. the need for uh, a bread and milk. But yeah, Southerners are weird. <laughs> Meanwhile, I guess commented on your post earlier. I was like, you know, it could be a full on nor'easter up here with like a foot and a half of snow and it's blowing sideways. And we're all just like, hey, is Dunk still open? I go get my iced coffee like <laughs> in my shorts. That's yeah. We're the crazy. I'm more crazy than most you know, northeasterners. I get the shorts on year round. But yeah, a, little, a couple inches. We're just like, eh, whatever. We call that a dusting up here. Uh, it's, but it's, it is always funny when I see like the southern states, whether it's, you know, 
down southeast or like you know middle of the country or even out west is how they freak out when there's any threat of even like a slight coating of snow it's kind of funny and here's so the schools like my wife's a teacher the schools are already out on monday for uh, mlk day and they told them today that they need to prepare tuesday to be a virtual day for snow (laughs) and literally like the snow's gonna be coming saturday night and sunday morning and they're already preparing to close tuesday that's nuts to me yeah but th- at the same time, they've kind of done the same thing up here, too. Like, you know, it would be a full-on blizzard up here, and we still have to wake up in the morning, turn on the local news, watch the ticker go across the bottom <laughs> with all the school names, all the town names. Yep. But now it's like they'll cancel the night before. I'm like, it's just gotten soft. I'm like, we used to yep. – I don't want to do like, oh, back in my day, but like – No, it's, it's true. It's true. Like, we had to go to school. Like, if it was just like a normal storm, yeah, we have to go. But if it was a really bad one. But now if there's any snow at all, they're like, eh, you can do remote learning now. Remote yeah. learning has killed the snow day. That is true. It really is, has. Snow day is huge up here in Maine, obviously. But enough about snow. We're here to talk some baseball here. But before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please write and review. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both of us, including some Dynasty buy sells, some dynasty adp stuff a lot of fun content going on over there in addition to our bonus podcast we've been doing so check that out and of course check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the fantrax hq network including our 2022 fantasy baseball draft kit with a ton of fun content in there and lastly if you're an android user the fantrax app is now available in the google play store but if you already have the progressive web app you'll need to delete that before installing the new app so, so go get that if you're an Android user. But let's get right into this week's episode. As we mentioned, we're going over the outfield. And as Chris mentioned, we have a lot of names on our list. Like, for instance, I have 141 outfield-eligible players in my top 500 dynasty rankings and 116 in my prospects in my top 400. We will not be going over every name today, obviously. There will be a 14-hour podcast. <laughs> there will be a marathon, and nobody wants a 14-hour podcast. So We'll go through like I think our top fifty ranks on both. Obviously, our rankings are both you know free to look at over on FantraxHQ.com. You want to see the rest of them, um, and we'll get in some some good player debates and some discussions and breakouts, buy sell, a lot a lot of fun stuff. So let's hop right into it. We'll do the dynasty side in the first half of the show, and then prospects in the second half. Let's hop right into our rankings here, uh, starting with dynasty top ten at outfield. Chris, who you got? All right, here we go. Juan Soto at one. Fernando Tatis Jr., who is outfield eligible now at number two. Ronald Acuna Jr. at number three. Bryce Harper, Mike Trout rounding out the top five, then followed by Mookie Betts, Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, Luis Robert, and Julio Rodriguez, first prospect coming in at number 10. And, of course, Chris's uh, rankings are more OBP-focused, so you see a little bit of difference there between the two of our rankings. Uh, for me, I have Fernando Tatis Jr. at one. It pains me to put Soto two, but got to do it. Though it's basically these one, one, two, three are almost interchangeable. I wouldn't have any issue ranking them any which way. So Tatis Jr., Soto, Acuna Jr., one, two, three for me, followed by Bryce Harper, Kyle Tucker, Luis Robert, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Yoran Alvarez, and Julio Rodriguez at 10 for me as well. So I think we have the same top 10, don't we, overall? Yep. Perfect. I think so. Both at J-Rod at 10. So let's go into two of the more recent additions to this top 10 that kind of entered the discussion in 2021. Kyle Tucker had a phenomenal year. Luis Robert, phenomenal 
end of the season. Tucker, 294, 359, 557 slash line, 30 home runs, 14 steals, 92 RBI, and 83 runs scored in 567 plate appearances. And for Luis Robert, 338, 378, 567, 13 homers, 6 steals, 43 RBI, and 42 runs in 296 plate appearances. Obviously, both the upside for both these guys is astronomical. Uh, it could be the next two that jump up into that elite tier uh, up there. Maybe not quite to Acuna Tatis levels, but maybe right behind them. But which one are you kind of more confident in getting to that level and staying at that level between these two, Chris? Well, I have Kyle Tucker higher right now. And a lot of that really has to do with the fact that obviously he played a full season last year and he performed when Robert was on the field. He performed at a high level as well. You know, I'm kind of inclined to say I think this time next year that Luis Robert will be higher just from the standpoint of I think that he has another level to reach. I think he's got that Fernando Tatis Jr. upside in the profile, and I think that he's ready to display that. Uh, Both guys are still young. Know that Tucker will turn 25 in just a couple days, actually. You know, Robert is 24. He turned 24 in August. So similar ages here. But I just really see Robert taking the jump. He took a step forward, a major step forward last year with his contact rates. We know 2020, he started out the first month of the two-month season very, very good. And then he ended up slumping that final month that probably cost him the Rookie of the Year award. And last year, we know he played just 68 games, got nearly 300 plate appearances. But the contact, the zone contact rate was up 12%. His overall contact rate was also up over 12%. I really see that being significant. He cut the strikeout rate 12% as well. Kind of interesting, all those 12s in this profile. (laughs) The only thing that can really prick a hole in the profile is he doesn't walk that much, which is Mm. a little bit concerning. But if you're in an average league, that actually can be a benefit because he's going to get more at-bats if he's not walking a ton. And I think the quality of contact is really, really good here. So that also excites me with Robert. I think that he can really take that step and – I wouldn't be surprised if we have him above Tucker next year. That wouldn't surprise me either. I do agree. If we're talking about this pure ceiling, I would give the slight edge there to Luis Robert, even though both are obviously super highs, as we mentioned before. But yeah, I do think Robert has that slight next level that Tucker doesn't quite have. And yeah, with Robert, you look at the quality of contact matches have been very good. Barrel rate, 13% in 2020, 12.5% in 2021. Max exit velos were very good last year, top, top 1% of the league. Year before that, top 2% of the league. Average XAV low was very good as well. Hard hit rate, very good. You know, it, was, it was all good. And yeah, he won't hit 338 again. I don't think anybody's expecting that. But his XBA was 297. And he's made a lot of tangible adjustments that Chris mentioned. You know, Cutting down the K rate was huge. Cutting down the whiff rate. Contact rate's going up. Was it a small sample size? Yes. It was only a little under half a season. But yeah, about 40-ish percent of a season. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Like I would love to see him kind of pick up where he left off, you know, starting in 2022 with the same kind of improvement sticking that we saw down the stretch here in 2021. So I am, I'm very high on both of them. I have a lot of shares in dynasty leagues um, with Tucker and Robert. So I'm hoping that they both can kind of maximize their potential and take that next step. I think they both can because, you know, Tucker's legit as well. You look at, he made improvements against, you know, off-speed pitches were an issue for him. You look at 2020, hit 309 on fastballs, 
191 on breaking balls and 231 on off speed and then hit 318 against fastballs in 2021, but up breaking balls to 236 and off speed to 311. So really, I mean, a lot of improvements there. The XBAs were all very good, even had a 284 XBA on breaking balls. So he made some nice improvements as well, cut the whiff rate down a little bit as well. So both of these guys took that big step forward, and I think they can maintain it and be top 10 dynasty guys for a while and maybe even top five. Who knows? But that, that's, a, that's a hard top five to break into especially when you got Tatis Jr., Soto, and Acuna Jr. already there and the same age or even – I think actually all three of those guys are younger than yeah. – Acuna might Acuna might be 24, but I think he's still younger than Robert and Tucker. But, yeah, Soto's uh, 23, I think, now, and I yes. think Tatis is 23 as well. So yep. Acuna is the youngest of the bunch. He just turned 24 in December. Okay. Robert turned 24 in August, and Tucker will turn 25 in a couple days. So. Gotcha. Yeah, so like the top three is already – like already there and they're still a little bit younger that's just insane to think about how much talent we have in the outfield right now and then you got you know the old man uh, of this like top tier bryce harper yeah what's what's harper 28 now and he's the old man of the group yeah he may be 29 but still that you know that's that's old he yeah he just turned 29 in in late october (laughs) feels like he should be older than that like he's been around for he was drafted in what 2000 nine i believe it was 2010 yeah oh 2010 oh strasburg was 09 that's right and then harper was a year after he Um, debuted in 2012 at 19 it's just insane it feels like he's been around forever because he kind of has but he's 2029 um yeah he kind of gets overlooked too like we don't dive too deep into harper here but harper is putting up great numbers the last two years he's been one of the top three or four hitters in baseball so i don't expect that to change anytime soon either um, but the other guy that's been kind of linked to Harper you know, ever since, since they both debuted right around the same time and came up through as the top two prospects in baseball at the same time. And Trout had the advantage for, you know, except for that one year from Harper when he won the MVP in 2015, I want to say it was. Yeah. You know, Trout pretty much had his number every other season. But now Trout's had a couple, you know, some injuries over the last couple of years isn't running as much Harper's had, you know, as I mentioned, phenomenal last two years. So with Mike Trout, you know, if you were, if you had Mike Trout and dynasty, Chris, he's now 30 years old. Uh, He'll be 31 middle of next season. You know, he hasn't, like I said, he hasn't run as much recently, only with four combined steal attempts on to see last 89 games over the last two years. So, and he got that calf injuries. Who knows how much he runs at getting into his thirties here. So what, what would you be doing with Mike Trout right now if you rostered him in Dynasty Leagues? I think you have to hold because I think his value is probably the lowest that it's been in Dynasty League at any point. I think I'd hold him. And if you don't have him, it could be a decent buying opportunity. I get he's 30, but if you're contending, this is a great buy. Even if he doesn't steal a base, I mean, you're looking at one of the most productive players in the game, one of the best hitters in baseball. I mean, he could very well hit 45 home runs this year and have give you a 300 average with a 450-plus OBP. So the runs and RBIs are going to be there. Even if the steals are not there, I think he's a decent buy and he's going to return a decent value because I think his perceived value right now, I think that's – and make sure we use that emphasis on perceived value, is the lowest that it's been in yep. ever. So I, I think he's a decent buy. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think everyone's kind of shying away. And, you know, there's that kind of 
not, not disease, but like everyone always loves like the shiny new thing and Trout's not the shiny new thing anymore. Those are the Acunas, the Tatises, the Sotos, the Tuckers, the Roberts of the world where, you know, people are kind of like, eh, Trout's 30. Yeah, he's been great, but I'd rather go get one of these young guys. And I get that, you know, we all kind of go, you know, for those young guys, but Trout, he's still only 30. It's like, we're not talking about some guy that's 34, 35. He's still only 30. And yeah, I agree. Even, even if he doesn't run, he could still be like the Vlad Jr. of the outfield. High average, yeah. ton of home runs, ton of counting stats. And maybe, you know, any I think any speed he provides now is just gravy. Like, you know the four category protection is going to be great. Because look at last year. Yeah, it was only 36 games, but he was on pace for one of the best years of his career. Oh, yeah. He, he, had, he was, let's see, when he went out, he had the highest batting average of his career, 333. The highest OBP, 466. The see the fourth highest op, uh, slugging at 624 and the highest OPS at 1090. That's better than all of his MVP years and hit a high, highest OPS plus a second highest, excuse me, of his career. So he was on pace for a phenomenal season, but obviously got cut short by that calf injury that just kept lingering and lingering and they shut him down. So there is some risk there. I get it. I know people, some people don't like the risk, especially with their quote unquote like best player or second best player on their dynasty team. But I agree, Trout is a great buy and, and can right we be now. honest about the steals if he wants to steal he's gonna steal his sprint right. speed was still 96 percentile last year and right. that was with a messed up calf so if he wants to run he's going to run and i think that's one thing i've learned more than anything the last few years is stealing bases is all about the will to steal yes speed does matter to an extent having a knack to steal bases and when to and jump like getting good jumps is important, but just having that desire to steal bases, I think goes a long way. So if he wants to run, he can still steal 10 bases. Oh, for sure. Trout can do anything he wants. Yeah. Like, Trout wants to steal 30. Trout's going to steal 30. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think he's going to, but he could, if he will, like you mentioned sprint speed is still there. He's still one of the best athletes in the entire world, regardless of sport. So yeah, Trout can do what Trout wants to do uh, real quick before we get to our next section here. You know, another player that's kind of similar in terms of the concern, the age, the decline, Mookie Betts. Are you as concerned with Betts? Or are you kind of handling him the same, I should ask? Like, are you looking at him as a bylo right now, or are you kind of a little more cautious with Betts moving forward? I'm not, like, overly concerned with Betts, even though his quality of contact kind of stunk last year. But I do think that a lot of that could be attributed to injury, and he was just kind of banged up all year. But I don't know. I the, it seems like a lot of people are so split on him at this point. Like, you know, some people are like, oh, it's no problem. He's going to rebound. And some are like, he's done. That that body, his frame is not going to age well type thing. But, you know, you look last year. I mean, he still went 23-10 over 550 plate appearances. Injured, that is. He's an easy 30-15 guy for me moving forward. I think that average ticks up. I mean, he's a career 296 hitter. He's going to be hitting at the top of the best lineup in baseball. So I think it's an easy rebound for me. Despite yeah. some of the concerning numbers in there, I think that we see a lot of those bounce back. I agree there. W- what I would kind of do if I had bets, I would hold right now and let him hopefully he gets a 140 plus games in this year and let him rebuild that value a little bit. Let him have that 30 15 season with like 120 runs scored in the Dodgers lineup and then maybe look to sell him maybe next offseason. That's something he's going to have a couple more years of being a top 10 outfielder. But then I I also kind of in the I'm kind of in the middle of those two camps you mentioned, Chris. Where I, I I'm not obviously he's not done. I'm still very high Mookie Betts, but I do at least a little bit worry about the frame because we've seen just 
countless times again. Like Altu- even Altuve, you know, he's still pretty good, but obviously not as good as he once was. And then, you know, it, I think Andrew McCutcheon's a good comparison. They're very similar sizes, McCutcheon and Mookie Betts. And McCutcheon, he's still good, but he kind of teetered off. He got to his 30s. So those small guys, they just don't have that longevity um, that the bigger guys have. So and I, I don't know what it is. I'd love to dig into this. Because I don't know, I, I can't pinpoint why these smaller guys don't age well into their 30s. But yeah, so going back to my point, though, I would hold bets. Hopefully, he has another Mookie Betts type of season, and then maybe try to sell him, you know, next year or the year after for a younger haul. So I think that'd be what I would recommend personally. That's fair. I totally agree. Moving on to our next set of 10 here. Uh, for me, that is Aaron Judge, Jared Kelnick, Teoscar Hernandez, Eloy Jimenez, Cedric Mullins at 15, and then 16 through 20, Nick Castellanos, Starling Marte, Tyler O'Neill, Randy Arozarena, and Riley Green. Chris, who you got there? And Aaron Judge at 11, followed by Teoscar Hernandez, Jared Kelnick, Christian Yelich, Starling Marte, and then 16 through 20, Cedric Mullins, Eloy Jimenez, Riley Green, Byron Buxton, and then Randy Arozarena rounding that out. So a couple more prospects in here. And we still have, you know, I still have Kelnick at 12. You still have him at 13. So I'm glad to see that you're, I know you're not as high on him as I am, but I'm glad to see that he's still <laughs> holding up at least somewhat in your rankings yeah, there. I think for Dynasty, I'm not worried at all. I think there may be some struggles for 2022, but, you know, for I'm not drafting him at his price for redraft leagues, but for Dynasty, I'm really not that worried. That's fair. Uh, w- one person I wanted to ask you about that you had 14th, because I have him uh, much lower. Where do I have this guy? Okay, yeah, I have him. Um, you won't hear him for another 20 minutes from me in my rankings when we get to that section. Uh, obviously, OBP gives this guy a nice boost, but what what do you see? And I guess, why are you still so confident in Christian Yelich at the level you have him, Chris? With Yelich, I can pinpoint one thing that needs to change. And it's the fact that he's hitting the ball on the ground too much. With others like Bellinger, there's nothing that in the profile that I can pinpoint that says, like, here's what's right. going wrong with him. Yelich's quality of contact is still good, even though it was down a little bit last year. I mean, he still scorches baseballs. He, I mean, everything you want to see, and, and everything is there per se for him to continue success. But he just got to raise that ground ball rate. I mean, he still hit the ball extremely hard. His hard hit rate was you know, 87th percentile. Everything looks really good. He still walks at a high clip. Everything I like to see in the profile. And even his sprint speed was still good last year despite that knee. I know he has had back problems. Maybe that's attributed a little bit to the higher ground ball rate. I don't really know. But I do believe that this is fixable. You literally just need – we saw it with Vlad. Like this is exactly what Vlad did. Vlad hit the ball right. hard. He hit it into the ground. And so when I look at this profile and see Yelich hit the ball, hit it, had a ground ball rate of 54.4%. Yeah. I mean, you look at his career in the past and he's always had high ground ball rates, but in his two elite seasons in 2018 and 2019, 2018 was still high at 51%, but in 2019, 43.2%. Huge difference. His fly ball rate was down last year to just 23%. That's got to push near the 30% number if we want to see that. But Everything's there. His home run to fly ball rate was a massive outlier last year. I mean, the last three seasons combined, he had a home run to fly ball rate of 33.6%. And that was from 2018 to 2020, even with a down 2020. And last year it was 13.2%. So those those two numbers, I'll say two numbers, actually, the ground ball rate and the home run to fly ball rate 
tell me that he's more than capable of getting back to his home run power. Maybe he doesn't steal as much, but again, he stole nine bases. He'd had 12 attempts and 475 plate appearances. Maybe he's a 10 to 15 steal guy, but I still believe the power can bounce back to 25, 30 home run levels. Yeah, I, I'm mostly in agreement there. Like, I, it's for me, it's not a production thing. It's not a skills thing. Like you listed a lot. Like the skills are there. Obviously, this guy's an MVP. Only a few short years ago, well, it feels like longer than that yeah, now. No co- like the last two years of COVID times feel like seven or eight. So it feels like it feels like his MVP year was like twenty, you know, two thousand six or something like that. But this was a MVP caliber guy. Almost won back to back MVPs. And, you know, had 40, 30 seasons was, you know, the fantasy darling for a couple of years. So it's not the skills for me, even though obviously I had those years behind him. But I just I'm just I guess I'm more concerned about just the back and knee. the back. I'm always back injuries always make me really, really concerned just because how the way they can, you know, it all it takes is one bad swing where you kind of you know, maybe you flail a little bit more and you just kind of tweak, tweak your back. That's all it takes with backs so easily re-injurable re-injurable is that a word i don't know yeah but uh you know what i mean but uh yeah it's just the back and then and the knee also uh those are just kind of concerning for me and he's, he's 30 now that's, again that's not too old like a trout's 30 but with the injuries he has especially that back I guess I'm, I'm a little more concerned about that but i do agree that if that's something you're not quite as worried about then and you're just looking at the skill set definitely a nice buy low here for Kristen yelich and on the other side of things Tyler O'Neill, let's get into him. You know, he was one of the, the bigger breakouts in this section of our rankings. See, I have him 18th, and you had him. Where did you have him? I had him. How much higher than me? Not lower, actually. I'm in the 20s. Oh, you are in the 20s. Okay. Well, we'll still talk about him now. Yeah. As well. sure. I already, already started this. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, obviously, huge breakout year for Tyler O'Neill 286, 352, 560 slash line. 34 home runs, 80 RBI, 89 runs, and 15 steals, and 537 plate appearances for the St. Louis Cardinals. Like, finally, I think he was one of the guys that a lot of people just like were waiting for that breakout. You saw the raw power, the athleticism he had, and some of the numbers he put up in the minor leagues, but never really could put it together in the major leagues until this year. You look at it across the board, like, this is legit. Like, I'm not, I mean, maybe I'm not 100% buying in because the, you know, 31.3% strikeout rate is very alarming as, you know, as some of the whiff rates, he had 34.7% whiff rate last year, which was 10.1% higher than league average chases way too much. So there's definitely some red flags in that approach, but the quality of contact is just off the charts. 17.9% bail rate. That's insane. Average exit below is 93 miles an hour. X slug was 583 hard hit rate 52.2%. And at the same time, he's not just a power guy, 90th percentile sprint speed. You know, he kind of reminds me of Chris, a the outfield version of Javi Baez. That's a fair, I think that's a fair assessment, but he's also kind of taking the Teoscar Hernandez route, which I think that's is pretty true. interesting. Yep. That's and we've too. seen, we've seen Hernandez continually improve when, when we doubt it. So here's, here's my thing. Like I'm kind of mixed bag on what I feel about Tyler O'Neill. But the fact that he did all of that with a 31.3% strikeout rate. Right. So if that improves just a little bit, you think about what he's capable of being. And, you know, 
I think the power is easily there. You look at his average exit velocity is really good. I think he can continue, but he's a very polarizing player. I think there's a lot of mixed bag on who he really is. And I think this year will be very telling one way or another. So, yeah, I think Javi Baez is an interesting comp. If he improves the plate discipline, Teoscar Hernandez is a reasonable comp. So it just totally sure. depends. And, yeah. and very few can get it done with the kind of plate discipline he has. So that'll be interesting to see. Right. Yeah. Like I said, Baez is a kind of an example of that. And Teoscar obviously was that, got better. So that's a good comp as well. Yeah. I just love the, this, the power and speed and athleticism. Like this guy could be an absolute monster if he improved his approach. Like if he can make some of the same gains that Robert made with the contact skills and cutting that K rate down, I don't know if he can. Like he's at this point, I mean, he's still only 26, obviously, but you know, he, he's always been a high K rate guy. Um, first career, he is 32.5%. So that was even, you know, slightly better than his career average last year. So, but at the same time, with the speed he has, the quality of contact metrics he has, he's going to be a guy that probably runs a higher BABIP than, than most. And, just pounds the piss out of the ball. So I am, I'm in on O'Neill. I've always been a big O'Neill guy. Yeah. If you're just talking, this like a pure street fight. Yeah. Judge and Stanton are huge, but O'Neill is like, I won't want to meet Tyler O'Neill in a dark alley. I'll tell you that right now. No, he's a beast. That's let's say the least. Absolutely. I would love to see O'Neill in a home run derby. I think yeah, he just, Oh, he would dominate. He would It'd be I fun. Want, can we just get like all eight of us like the best guys? Like, I want like Stanton, I want Judge, I want O'Neill, I want Harper, Vladdy. I want it, just the best guys. You get it's gotten better over the last few years, but give, give me everybody. Get Mike Trout in there. I just want all, all the big stars. Tatis, just don't do Soto. I don't. I don't want Soto getting his swing messed up. So leave him out of it. But <laughs> I love to see O'Neill in the Derby. Uh, another guy that could do well in the Derby, Eloy Jimenez. He, yeah. Uh, you know, last year was very uh, interesting for Eloy Jimenez. Obviously, had the shoulder injury early on, jumping for a meaningless fly ball that he shouldn't have been jumping for at the wall. Missed a good chunk of the season, only got 231 plate appearances, but hit 10 home runs in those, 37 RBI. That's good, but only hit 249, 303 OBP, and a 437 slug. You know, I've always been a big Eloy Jimenez guy. Like he always had that sexy raw 80 grade raw power coming up through uh, the Cub system. They came over to the white Sox and the Jose Quintana deal, which I'm sure the Cubs went back at this point, but I, I don't know. I'm starting to wonder is Jimenez a little overrated. Obviously he doesn't provide any speed. He's he never has. He never will has zero steal so far through his first three seasons. Power's great. Always going to be great. 30 plus home run guy annually. As long as he stays healthy. I don't think there's any concerns there. Quality of contact has been good every year, and he doesn't strike out a lot, which is great. But you know, well, he's around twenty-five percent. So comparatively to like Tyler O'Neill, you know, twenty-five percent is not a detriment to your game. But doesn't walk a ton, six percent walk rate for his career. And I just wonder, is he more of like a two-sixty hitter than maybe the two-seventy-five, two-eighty that we once thought? You know, right now he's two. What's he for his career? Two seventy, two forty-nine this past year. Maybe he's only two-sixty with good amount of home runs and solid counting stats. What's the big gap between someone like, you know, him and I don't know, Fran Mil Reyes. Obviously I would still take Eli Jimenez, obviously, but I don't know. I wonder, is he a little bit overrated? Do you think Chris? I've dropped him a little bit, but I've kind of been convinced. I think I need to move him back up a little bit. I think I had him at 47 in my overall and you know, he's a little lower OBP. So I can understand that from an OBP purpose being a little lower, but you know, 
if Eloy can get together, then how different is he than like Jordan Alvarez? I don't think they're all that, that is dissimilar true. if Eloy can get together. And I wonder too, how, how much did injury affect him last year? It, it certainly, when he came back, could have affected him. He wasn't great by any means, but you look at 2020 and he hit 296. Yeah, it was a small sample. So 296 average, but 14 home runs. That would have paced out. Like he's pacing like Jordan Alvarez numbers there. So is he capable of doing that? I certainly think so. So I think, I think he can, that, yeah. Yeah, I think his perceived value is down, but I think this season will be a big make or break year for his value. That's for sure. So you're you're expecting a nice bounce back from him this year? I think so. And I, I don't think my ranking personally reflects that. So I think I really should probably bump him back up. Yeah, I definitely agree that this is going to be a, a really big year for his value. Uh, if he kind of struggles all year, hits around 250 again, I can see him dropping down, you know, further down, you know, into the 75, 80 range in rankings. And another similar profile, I think. I know it's a different position, but who do you think is better long term? Like, say, five years from now, who's ranked higher in our dynasty rankings? Him or Austin Riley? Uh, man, that's tough. They're actually very similar, too. I don't, yeah, I think that they could, for fantasy purposes, return very similar value. So, Agreed. oh man, that's, I'm gonna stick with Riley just because of the position. Me too. Yeah. Yep. Third base is shallow. So, I think that gives him the little edge there. I think it's gonna be close, but yeah, yeah that, that I was, agree. I don't know. That just kind of popped in my head. I'm like, man, similar like 270 ish guy, give or take, 30 plus bombs. A lot of you know doesn't run and all, so kind of similar profiles there for sure. All right, let's move on to the next set of 10 here. This is 21 through 30. Why don't you go, Chris? All right, so 21 through 30, we have Jesse Winker, Brandon Lau, Nick Castellanos, Brian Reynolds, Tyler O'Neill. Andrew Vaughn, Kettle Marte, George Springer, Brennan Davis, and then Cody Bellinger rounding out at 30. We both have Davis at 29. We, we have like one or two that are the same in every <laughs> Those are always funny. Here. Right. Uh, for me, I have Byron Bucks at 21, Whit Merrifield at 22, 23 through 25, Kettle Marte, Jesse Winker, Brian Reynolds, who was very legit. We talked about him recently in our – what did we talk about him? The Dynasty Risers and Followers episode, I think it was. Yep. Uh, so go check that out. That was a fun episode, too. Alex Karloff, Brendan Lau, George Springer, Brennan Davis, and Chris Bryant rounding out my top 30 here. This is a kind of an interesting bunch. Some of the older guys, a couple of young guys mixed in. Did, did you say you do Karloff in this section? I did not, actually. Okay, so that, that was one of my questions I wanted to ask you is, you know, who are you higher on long-term between Karloff and Andrew Vaughn? But these rankings kind of answer my question. Well, I think that... I think they can be similar, which again, you know, I went, I was on in this league pod and, you know, Welsh and I talked about this and I think that I should probably give Carol off a little bump because how dissimilar are they? You know, for me to right. still have Vaughn that high Carol off, we didn't even see get a chance, but Carol off's metrics were really good when he did get the chance when yeah. he was healthy. So especially the quality of contact, those are yes. until, until that wrist injury kind of sapped a little bit of that. He's always had pretty good quality of contact metrics. Yep. He's, I think he could really rake. And I love Andrew Vaughn still, too. I think that he really is not getting the love that he he deserves after that Weird. season. He got shafted a lot. I mean, they just jerked him around. So I'm very excited about uh, Kirilov this year. I think, and so Kirilov, I think, could easily jump into Vaughn range. So maybe I should already put them up in that range. Maybe. I I like Kirilov. I like them both. Obviously, I think they're both great you know, buys right now in Dynasty Leagues. I think their perceived value is a little lower than what it should be. I am a touch higher on Kirloff than I am on Vaughn long-term. 
I think the power is going to be similar. Like, I don't think they're going to be, you know, mashers, but I think, you know, mid to upper 20s home runs will be you know, 24 to 28, maybe, you know, peak at th- low 30s for each of these guys. But I'm I'm a little more confident in the at, you know average being higher for Kirilov. Again, this I'm nitpicking. They're both going to be pretty good. And this might be just like 10 to 15 points on average long term. But I do like Kirilov a little bit more. But again, both great buys right now in Dynasty Leagues. Uh, what are the like I said, interesting names you know, in the section of our rankings here? You know, we, we talked. Like I said we talked about Brian Reynolds already. Brendan Lowe, we've got it into. George, do you have George Springer? Did you mention him in this range? I did not. Do you have Springer? Oh, I did. I'm sorry. 28. Oh, we will, okay. We both have him 28 too. Nice. Okay. <laughs> he, he's a, he's another one that's kind of like a polarizing player for me to rank. Like obviously the talent is very good. But he's just another one that he just can't seem to stay healthy. Is he? Is he a guy that you think this is gonna? gonna well, he still will have some good seasons, but he'll just have that steady decline down your rankings over the next few years. Yeah, I mean, if he could stay healthy, then he's a complete stud. I mean, he's shown that like on a per plate appearance basis, he's easily like a top twenty overall type player. But he just can't stay healthy, so that that's a huge factor. And I think that maybe he just he's probably gonna have some healthy seasons. Where he just dominates and people go way overboard on him, but he didn't. Right. But then he's not going to do it the next year. That's my concern. Yeah, he'll have another 2019 in him where he hit 292, 39 home runs, and 96 RBI, and then only 122 games. I might add, but yeah, he hasn't played 140 since 2018. Uh, played 122 in 2019, 51 of 60 in 2020, and then only 78 this past year because of various ailments. But yeah. Him hitting high up in that Toronto lineup is very intriguing. He's to have Vlad and Bo and T Oscar and, and others probably, you know, they could bring in Jose Ramirez. Who knows? Like, this will be a dynamite lineup, even if they don't add anybody. So, love Springer. I wish he could say healthy, but he's a guy I've been kind of fading a bit just because of the health issues. He's he's going to be, let's see, when's he turned 32? It's pretty soon here. Oh, he already did. It was last September. So, he'll be 32 this entire year or most of it. So, that's, I just don't see him returning much value anymore but i think he still has some you know a few more good years but he's one i'm kind of fading a bit right now in dynasty leagues let's move on to our last section of the rankings here 31 through 50 a lot of fun names in here chris who you got 31 through 50 this is a fun range for sure so joey gallo and again this is a obp centric ranking Uh, my tweet today on joey gallo stirred a lot of people up apparently because I put, why would you draft Joey Gallo in an average league? He's a complete drain. Yeah, people, it, it got so many engagements just because people, right. you know, there was there was arguments on that thread from between people all afternoon. <laughs> I saw whatever. that. And for, for reference, I have him 47th. So that yeah. just shows you the, dif- the disparity between the value of Gallo between average and OBP. Right? Yeah, he's really good in OBP. But- oh, absolutely. It's, that's why, like, I got my home keeper league, we do, we have, it's eight by eight. So we just kind of had some fun with it. And so we have average and walks. So if you're like, if you're Joy Gallo, you still have value because of the walks, but guys that are hit for high average and walk a lot, kind of give like the extra little bit of value. So I don't know it's just a fun little, fun little league there, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. All right. So back to Gallo, who was 31. The first one I read followed by Corbin Carroll, Chris Bryant, Austin Meadows, Whit Merrifield, Trent Grisham, Fran Mill Reyes, Alex Kirloff, Giancarlo Stanton and Michael Conforto at number 40. And then 41 through 50 is JD Martinez, Kyle Schwarber, Seiya Suzuki, Jared Walsh, Tommy Edmond, Ryan Mountcastle, Mitch Hanniger, Dylan Carlson, 
Alex Verdugo, and Zach Veen, your boy, rounding out at 15. Zach, where do I have Zach? Dude, you have him higher than I do. This is not <laughs> where, where do I have him? Oh no, wait, no, I have him 48. Never mind. I All right. Than you. you couldn't <laughs> let that happen. You're about to bump him up. You're I know. I was like guy. I was scrolling. I got to the 60s. I'm like, I don't have him this low. I was getting down to like Trevor Larnick and Ben and range. I have him higher than this. Um but it's funny, we have uh Hanniger and Carlson back to back also. You have them, I think, one spot respectively lower than I do. But uh so for me, 31, I got Cody Bellinger. Rest of the top 40, Trent Grisham, J.D. Martinez, Giancarlo Stanton, Austin Meadows, Andrew Vaughn. There's Christian Yelich checking in at 37. Michael Conforto, I think you had a similar range here. I think he's a great buy right now. I think he's much better than what he showed last year. He was injured, so Conforto's a good buy right now. Franny at 39, Joe Adele 40, 41 through 50. Ryan Mountcastle, Jared Walsh, the guy we interviewed just a few short days ago, Robert Hassel the third at 43. Go check that out. That was a great interview. He was talking baseball with Robert. Uh, see, rest of the top 50, Kyle Schwarber, Mitchie Hanniga, Dylan Carlson, Joey Gallo, Zach Veen, Corbin Carroll, and Gavin Lux, who is, like I said, we love Gavin Lux on this podcast, that's for sure. But we're not talking Gavin Lux today. We got other guys to talk about here before we get into the break. So let's talk about a couple of guys here, Chris. Some of the younger guys in this range, a couple, you know, top 10 prospects that have had, you know, spurts of success at the major league level. But overall, I think they've underwhelmed expectations so far. That's Joe Adele and Dylan Carlson, two guys that are right in this range. I have Adele 40 and Carlson 46. Who are you kind of more confident in moving forward between this two? Or maybe are you not confident in either of them? Well, my rankings suggest them more confident in Dylan Carlson. And I think that you're just looking at a scenario of a floor versus ceiling here. And Adele, you know, made some steps last year quietly where I think he could be a potential breakout next year. I think we could see him finally put on. And we know the talents there. We we've saw it in the minor leagues. Like he's extremely talented. He made some major strides with the contact. Still not great, but he did quietly have a 12% gain in his overall contact rate and a 13% gain in his zone contact, which is very encouraging. I think we could see him take that step that we've kind of been waiting on. And he's going to have every shot. I mean, he's going to play, so I'm not really worried about that. I don't know. I'm intrigued to see what Adele can do, and I think he could easily pass Carlson, who has kind of just been – a, a dude like he's just a guy uh, I haven't really seen much in Carlson other than that one big minor league season that's really stood out with him and I wonder how much of a mirage that power was so you know who is the real Dylan Carlson we don't know I mean he had 619 plate appearances last year hit just 18 home runs he's not going to steal bases like I think that's kind of out the window at this point yeah so I'm kind of leaning Adele. Like I think Adele, if he can take that step, will easily pass Dylan Carlson. Yeah, when it comes to ceiling, I don't think it's even much of a question. Joe Adele by a country mile. I think maybe Carlson might have the slightly higher floor. Because I think we're kind of seeing what I think Carlson is going to be. I, I Obviously, I think this would be more power. I think he could be like a 25 homer type. But, you know, 25 home runs, maybe he's... You know, around 80 runs in RBI, couple of steals. So again, I agree, not much. I don't think speed's going to be a factor in this game. Decent walk rate will keep the OBP solid, but, you know, 260-ish hitter. So 260-25 solid counting stats. You know, that's still good. Maybe he's a he first with top 100 status at some point, but I don't think there's much room for growth outside of that. And Joe Adele, 
you know, he could bust out and just not work out, be a quad A back and forth type of guy for his career. Definitely has that upside. That power is massive. He has more power than Dylan Carlson. If he wants to run, the speed is there. Even if he's just a 10 to 12 steal guy with 25 plus home runs and a similar average, I think the OBP will obviously be lower because the Bell doesn't walk a lot, never has, probably never will. But definitely, I think there's still room for Adele to grow further than what he did this year, like you mentioned. So I would take Adele as well. I'm kind of, I don't know, I've never been a huge Carlson guy. And I think he's solid, maybe a better real-life player than fantasy moving forward. But, yeah, not. I'm not really look, looking to go out and get Carlson in the dynasty leagues right now if I did not have him, which I don't think I have him in any league if I can if I recall correctly. Yeah, pretty sure I don't. So I don't think that'll be changing anytime soon. Uh, quickly, before we hit the break here, let's give you our one major league breakout this year at the outfit position. Chris, who is that for you? I'm going with Harrison Bader. You know, Bader's always been very intriguing with the power speed. And now I think he's primed to hit that breakout. You know, there's there's plenty of upside and downside with Bader, but I think he's locked in with that role. He's a great defender. He's going to have an everyday job. He makes great contact. His his zone contact rate was 87.6% last year, and it was 88.8 the season before. Only had 401 plate appearances, and he had 16 home runs and stole nine bases last year. We saw the strikeout rate, the lowest of his career by far. He walked less, too, so he was a little more aggressive, which I think was encouraging. The home run to fly ball rate was has been similar his entire career, so I'm not really worried about that. But I think this is a profile that could be a 20 home run, 15 steal type with a solid average as well. So, you know, I, I'm all aboard Bader at his ADP, and I think he's a good buy low for Dynasty as well. Yeah, that, that's a good one. I, I do like Bader as well. Moved him up my rankings a good amount over the last couple of updates, end of the season, and into my ranking update a couple of weeks ago. Like Bader a good amount. And I'm going to go with Lane Thomas. Never was a big prospect guy. Never had the, you know, the big prospect numbers. But, you know, this year, I think he has a really solid chance to break out. Uh, last year, you know, the surface numbers were, you know, solid, not great. Nothing really stands out there. Overall in 264 plate appearances slash 235, 341, 412. Just kind of meh. Seven home runs and six steals. But you kind of peek under the hood a little bit, and there's a lot to like here. You know, first off, the approach last year, 14% walk rate to a 23.9% strikeout rate. He's always had a pretty solid approach throughout his professional career. He had a you know, pretty solid average exit below 91 miles an hour. It's actually been over 91 each of his three years. You know, Max Exavilo is kind of more middle of the pack, but, you know, has had a 7.3% barrel rate last year. It'll tell you above average. 45.7% hard hit rate is pretty solid as well. And he had a 93rd percentile sprint speed there. So sneaky little power speed blend. I don't know if he's ever going to hit for a high average, um, but definitely can stick near the top of the order. And right now he's penciled in as their leadoff guy. You know, a little bit of that's because they don't really have anybody else that can hit leadoff right now. Like, who else they put up there? Alkides Escobar? No. Yes. Carter Keyboom? No. Like Cesar Hernandez? No. So right now he's penciled in as the leadoff hitter, hitting right in you know two spots in front of you know Juan Godo Soto. That's not a bad spot to be. So I think it could be a sneaky you know fifteen to twenty home run, fifteen to twenty steal type of season here. With maybe he if he stays there the entire year, maybe he flirts with ninety plus runs. I think that's definitely possible. Uh, obviously the RBI won't be that high, but 
uh, OBP, a little bit more value in OBP formats, obviously, because of the, the higher walk rate as opposed to his contact rates, which aren't that great. So, yeah, so you can if you can absorb that lower average, maybe he's 240, 250, but could flirt with 2020. I wouldn't surprise me if he went 2020 this year. Maybe maybe he's 2022's Robbie Grossman. I think that could be where he's at, you know, similar profile, solid power speed, lower contact, higher walk rate. So nice, uh, nice potential for a breakout here from Lane Thomas that you can get for very, very cheap because this, this doesn't have that kind of illustrious name value in Dynasty League. So I'd go and get Lane Thomas right now in Dynasty Leagues. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back on the other side and get into some prospects, so don't go anywhere. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer Aerospace Excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. All right, welcome back. Let's get into our top prospect rankings at this outfield position. And just as many awesome names to talk about in the prospect side of things as there was at the Major League side. So let's get right into it. Chris, who are your top 10 Dynasty outfield prospects? Man, this is a fun group for sure. Isn't it, man? Like, this yeah. is like I got five or six in my top, wait a minute, seven in my top 13 are outfielders. So yeah, really yeah. fun list. All right, Julio Rodriguez, number one, Riley Green, Brennan Davis, Corbin Carroll, Zach Veen at five, then six through ten, Robert Hassel, Luis Matos, Josh Lowe, Alec Thomas, and George Valera. So we have nine of the same names here, Valera being the one I do not have. Obviously, mine are average base. I have Valera a bit lower, never been a Valera guy. But for me, I got Julio Rodriguez, one, Riley Green, two, Brennan Davis, three, Robert Hassel, the third, four, Corbin Carroll, five, Zach Veen, six, Luis Mato, seven, Alec Thomas, eight, Josh Lowe, nine. And kind of a cluster here, but I'm still sticking with Hedbert Perez at 10, though. That spot is very much in doubt, as a lot of the other guys could jump up in 2022 ahead of him. Maybe if he doesn't kind of get things back on track, but still like the skill set there. But a lot of fun names here. Let's start right at the top. Julio Rodriguez, a guy that has already cracked my top 25 overall in my dynasty rankings he's at 25 on the dot only one higher is bobby, bobby Witt jr at 21 so obviously you know we've talked about him at you know a lot so obviously on this podcast over the last year or so but i don't know if we've really kind of thought about what his peak could be like do you think that like a vladdy jr type of pr- profile with a little bit of speed is possible maybe not quite as many home runs but say take vladdy minus five to 10 home runs, but add in 10 steals. Do you think that's possible? I think he can have every bit of power Vlad has. Uh, I mean, you, you found some of his numbers from the minor leagues this year. And he, I mean, he had a max EV of 117, a 90th percentile EV of nearly 109. I mean, those are just studly numbers. Like they, that's better than most major leaguers. He's got a ton of power. He's, he's only 20. The contact skills are there no question elite contact that this is why he's number one my number one prospect one because i think the contact skills are better than bobby witt juniors 
Agreed. The power the power is definitely better than Bobby Witt Jr.'s. Agreed. Witt definitely has the speed edge, but as I talked about earlier, J-Rod has the, the will to run. He wants to steal bases, and I think early in his career, he's going to steal 15-plus bases just because he has that desire to do it. And you know his speed's definitely not there, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him peak at, at 40-15, which is absolutely insane. That'd be, uh, but that'd be first round, especially with the, with the high average he'll be bring with it. Oh, I mean Vlad Vlad's first round with forty nothing. I know Vlad has a little more yeah. power, but Vlad hit what forty eight last year. But yeah, J Rod has the potential to easily be first round. So does Wit. But I, I think J Rod's the safer bet. Contact skills, power, and I'll bank on him running for a little bit. Yeah, I guess I'm just not quite as bullish on the speed. I think there's, you definitely agree. There's some speed there. It's kind of an underrated, you know, aspect of his game. Everyone looks at the hit tool and power, obviously, who doesn't, but there is some speed there. So but I think maybe, you know, probably a settle in as a, you know, number three, number four hitter in the order. Maybe he doesn't quite run as much just because of his lineup spot, but I still think 10 to 15. Yeah, so I'm, I'm almost there with you. I'm, I'm slightly lower on the stolen bases, but yeah, definitely. Like if I was ranking prospects on floor, it's J-Rod in a tier by himself. And I love Wit. Obviously, Wit's my number one. And I think Wit's a 280, 30-plus, 25-plus type of guy. I think he's also a fantasy first-rounder in a couple of years. That's why I'm doing everything I can to acquire him now, I, even though his price is already <laughs> ridiculously high. But, yeah, J-Rod is, has the highest floor that – I'm trying to think of anybody else in the last handful of years that has a comparable – floor or even higher floor than him <sighs> vladdy was obviously a high floor guy wander but you know j-rod is just that hit tool the power like you don't see this come around often where you got 70 grade hit 80 grade power that's a rare combination and also when you can add in at least 50 grade speed to it as well that is a beautiful combination that's gonna be a fun seattle team over yep. the next handful of years and he'll be right in the heart of that order obviously and you know there's a couple other guys I think could be. I, I did a tweet recently, maybe a week ago or so, of guys that prospects that I thought could be, you know, if every obviously if everything clicks, hit their ceiling, 95 percentile outcome, whatever you want to say, that could be fantasy first rounders. I think there's a couple others that could be here. I, mean, I don't know if obviously I love Riley Green. He's high floor guy, good ceiling as well. I think he could be a 25, 20 type, but I don't quite think he's a first round guy, maybe second or third round. Same thing with Davis. I actually have some concerns with Davis. I don't know. I'm starting to wonder if I like Davis as much as I thought I did. Obviously, yeah. there's a lot of talent there, powers there, some solid speed as well, but maybe he's more of a 260 guy. Has some has some strikeout issues, tends to chase outside the zone a bit too much. I don't know. I'm not quite as high on him as I used to be. I stopped up on a few spots uh, in my last you know, in my update right now that you can see on our Patreon. If you're 70 grade tier, I've actually dropped him down to seventh from fourth. Um, or no, eighth from fifth, excuse me. Bumped guys like uh, I think I bumped Volp ahead of him and I think Torque was ahead. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little kind of not fading hassle, but maybe not quite as high as I used to be. But I think Corbin Carroll has fantasy first run outside if the power comes along. Same thing with CJ Abrams. If he moves to the outfield, obviously we're not talking about him here in our rankings because he hasn't moved there yet, but if he moves there, I think C.J. Abrams does. Um, and I think, I don't know, Robert Hassel's I'm kind of borderline with. I think the hit tool is there. I think the speed is there. And if you know, we talked with him, and he wanted that he was adamant about adding more strength, more power. 
if he can get up to a 20 plus homer bat with that speed and that average, I think he could be at least in that discussion. So a lot of, a uh, lot of names here that could be. So uh, even you know, guys like Luis Matos, Alec Thomas, Josh Lowe, they could be early round guys. Everything clicks. You got the power, speed, hit tools, uh, especially with Matos and Thomas. And it comes right underrated. I think he could be, you know, a 2015 guy with a 300 average and high OBP, a lot of run score hit in top of the order. So, yeah, a lot of uh, high ceilings here in this group for sure. And which, uh, what, who's another one here that stands out to you? Like, are you a big Matos guy, Alec Thomas? Who's another guy that you want to talk about? Yeah, here, Matos is is highly intriguing. I think Alec Thomas is like a very good floor type player, but man, Matos's skill set is very, very intriguing. He has some like traits of like early superstar breakout type. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if he really came into his own and just he could be a huge. I, I consider him already kind of breaking out you know last year hitting 313 and you know ha- hitting 15 home runs and stealing 21 bags and less than 500 plate appearances yeah i think that he's only going to continue to develop more power we've seen him run I-, I love the profile here as do i people kind of didn't well i, I guess scoff is the right word when, when i moved Matos slightly ahead of marco luciano but i'm i think the upside ceiling is actually pretty similar between the two. And I think Matos has a much higher floor. The hit tool is just better. And he adds in more speed. I don't, I don't know how much Luciano's going to run. So yeah, definitely. If you can, that's the type of deal I love to make. Like right now, let's say I had a Marcus Luciano in dynasty leagues and I was looking to get Matos. And you know, for mo- most people, I think Matos's value perceived value is lower than Luciano. So you can probably trade Luciano for Matos. So I think is a little bit better and get like a nice little second piece, whether it's a draft pick or, back end top 100 guy, whatever it might be. So you can get a guy that you think is better long-term and get another piece. That's a great deal type of deal to try to make right now in dynasty leagues. Let's move on to 11 through 20. For me, that is Vidal Brujan, Saya Suzuki, Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer, and Jason Dominguez. 16 through 20, Austin Martin, Colton Kowser, a guy that I'm higher on basically, I think more than anybody, Benny Montgomery, Pedro Leon and Andy Pajes rounding at my top 20. Chris, who you got 11 through 20? Yeah, I've got Saya Suzuki at 11, then followed by Austin Martin, Jason Dominguez, Andy Pajes, Edbert Perez, Michael Harris, Everson Pereira, Joey Weimer, Elliot Ramos, and Jaron Duran at 20. Did you not put Brujan at outfield, or do you have him outside your top 20? I did not put him in outfield. Okay. No. He would what, what, slot in at 14. Okay, that's that's pretty fair. I think we have them in similar. What what of similar names here? You know, Jason. If you had told me that I would have Joey Weimer ranked ahead of Jason Dominguez, you know, a year ago, I would have been. I would have called you crazy. But that's the world yeah. we're living in. Yeah, I might be going all in on Joey Weimer, but I think he has that it factor. And I'm still obviously, you know, higher on Mitchell than most. I'm not overblowing his. You know, it was really rough. Um, his high A stint, but at the same time. There was still a nice little power speed. Like I think he was still on nearly a 20-40 pace, believe it or not. Still walks a ton. Obviously, he's a little old for the level two. You got to factor that in. But still has the you know the issue with his swing, you know, the hitch in his swing. So needs to be some you know, some things corrected there. But I'm still a, a nice buy low on Mitchell right now for sure. A guy I am just falling in love with more and more. Colton Cowser. Like he was the one. Like every year, there's that one guy who. Puts up great numbers, has the tools, but you know, look at it like, oh, he's just you know, didn't play in the big conferences, didn't have that that quality of competition that you like to see. Didn't play in the SEC, the ACC, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, 
And that was kind of in 2020 draft or 2021 draft. That was Colton Cowser. We went to San Houston State. We, we talked about him in their FYPD episodes months ago that he had a couple games against, like, I think it was like Texas, you know, teams like that. But he, just the hit tool is plus, easily plus hit tool there. He landed in Baltimore, great org to be in. And I think there's a chance for 2020 there. So I don't know Colton Cowser is a guy I am all in on right now, especially in, in this part of my rankings. Yeah, I've kind of changed my tune on him a little bit. I think that when you look at the profile, like the hit first type, like those guys always tend to develop. So with Cowser, I'm a big fan of him developing that power. And we know he's got a little bit of speed as well. He showed that power last year in college. So I think it can translate. So I'll trust the hit tool and then develop the rest later. So I do like Cowser. Yeah, like I said, he's going to be a good home ballpark too. Uh, even with the left field fence moving out with a 30 feet or so. Um, but yeah, still definitely I'm all in on Colton Cowser right now. And Benny Montgomery too. I know there's a wide, wide range of outcomes for Benny Montgomery. He's like that super toolsy, the huge power, huge speed, huge athleticism, but the hit tool, that's huge X factor right now. He could be a fantasy stud or he could not even make it past high A. We'll see. But um, if you want some, like the, the upside play and the, you can probably get him in the, well, probably the teens of your first year player draft. I think uh, if you want upside there and some of the other upside guys like James Triantos and guys like that are already gone. Buddy Montgomery is a good pick there. Um, Jason Dominguez though, is another one. We still have him fairly high. You had him what? 12th. I think you said. I have him 13th. 13th, okay, and I have him 15th, but he has moved down a bit. You know, where are you at on him long, like long-term projections? Where are you at on Jason? Because right now, I got, I think the power will be there, but I wonder how much he runs. He kind of almost has a Willie Calhoun frame, which is not a great frame. It's not bad. It's not fat. I'm not saying that, but, you know, not a great frame for projecting speed. And the hit to us, I think, is still a question mark. So, uh, you know, where are you at long-term on Jason? Good question. Uh, <laughs> I really don't know because he could go a lot of directions. I think here's the thing, and here's the reason to buy low on Jason right now. If he comes out and has a hot streak at any point to begin the season, his value is going to absolutely soar. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is the Jason everybody's waiting on. Then you trade him. So I think there's an incentive to hold him if you have him. And if you don't have him, you might could go get him pretty low. Just from that standpoint, if he does pop off a little hot streak, people are like, this is what we've been waiting on. You turn him around and you get something great for him. But long term, I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of torn on how I really feel about him. Yeah, I, I don't think you're alone there. I know I'm with you. It's kind of hard. Like I want to buy back in, but I just have more concerns right now than I would like. But he's, he's still young, obviously young, at small sample size we're dealing with here, so he could definitely bounce back and, you know, restore the value he lost in 2021. And then that would be a great time to sell. I absolutely agree there. So uh, definitely intrigued. going to be a big year for Jason one way or the other. Uh, another name that we both had in this part of our rankings, another pop-up name from last year in the Dodgers org, Andy Pajes. He had a very, very good year. Big power bat, 265, 394, 539 with 31 home runs, 88 RBI. Out of them, six deals, over 538 plate appearances. This is a guy that I really like. I don't know, obviously, how he fits in with the Dodgers long-term because they already have a ton of guys ahead of him on the depth chart, both at the major league level and the minor league level. But 
love that power. This could be a 30 to 35 homer bats with, I think what you saw last year, like 265, you know, the hit tool, I think is around average. So 260 ish hitter, 30 plus home runs. He's always kind of added in a little bit of speed every year. Maybe he's a guy that adds in five to 10 steals annually, but nothing more than that. But that power could be really, really good. If he gets a spot in that lineup, obviously the counting stats will be there as well. So yeah, Andy Pajes is a strong buy for me right now in Dynasty Leagues. Yeah, I think so too. I don't think the his value's really caught up with him. I have him pretty high because of OBP purposes. He does get on base at a really high clip. And you mentioned the power, I think, is it's definitely there. I'd go out and get him right now. Yeah, I think the Dodgers do a phenomenal job of development, and he's one that could continue to rise pretty quickly. And I don't think we've really seen his best. And that's kind of crazy. But yeah, I think that he can continue to produce. I mean, he had a 394 OBP last year. All of his OBPs have been high throughout his career. Love to see that. So yeah, I'm, I love Andy Piaz. Still young too. He's only 20 years old. Uh, last season, just turned 21 back in early December. So I'll probably at double A next year. You know, it's a very good trajectory here. Like I said, the high walk rate as well. I'd like to see that. K rate, you know, he keeps that in check around 25%. Uh, in that range, so that's not too bad. Let's move on here. As we're already just got past the hour mark here. We'll go a little quicker as we end the prospect section here. Let's go, tw- what are we at, 21 through 30. For me, that's George Valera, Pete Crow Armstrong, Kevin Alcantara, Everson Pereira, Sal Freelich, Jaron Duran, J.J. Bladé, Jairo Pomares, Owen Casey, and Helio Ramos at 30. Chris, who you got 21 through 30? Pete Crow Armstrong, J.J. Bladé, Colton Kowser, Garen Mitchell, Jairo Pomares, Benny Montgomery, Isaiah Green, Owen Casey, Sal Frelick, and Stephen Kwan at 30. Stephen Kwan, that's a nice pop-up name from last year that could be up in Cleveland in the in the relatively near future later on this year. Let's go ahead and, you know, since we're already a little bit long for time, Chris, why don't you take, you know, from year 21 through 30, maybe give me the two that you think have the highest chance of jumping up into, like, the outfield top 10. Uh, this time next year. Pete Crow Armstrong. I think that, you know, if healthy last year, I think we would have seen him probably move well above this. So I'll take PCA there. And, oh, man, this is tough. You know, I might say Jairo Pomares. I know we saw some ups and downs from him last year, but we saw a lot of good. So, you know, if Pomares continues to keep it all together, then, yeah, he could could certainly make that jump. He smokes the ball like he does. Doesn't walk a lot, but high, you know, high average type. You know, could be a two eighty guy. Smokes the box at twenty five plus home runs. Like he just really just pounds the ball over the field. So yeah, I like Hunter Pomeranz a lot as well. For me, I definitely agree. PCA is a great pick here. You know, the, the contact skills are there, speeds there. I think the power can develop at least to the you know fifteen to eighteen homer range. As so, yeah, definitely love PCA. Uh, two other ones, Kevin Alcantara is a guy that's super toolsy. Went from the Yankees to the Cubs last year at the deadline. Big power, solid speed, a lot of projection in that frame. So this could be a 30-plus homer guy that could add in 10 to 15 steals at peak. And, you know, I think the, you know, the hit tool is the X factor with him, but I do think he's going to be at least 50-grade hit. I don't see, like, I don't have any massive concerns with the hit tool. So I love Kevin Alcantara. The other one for me, I almost want to say Owen Casey because I love the power of Owen Casey, but you know, Everson Pereira, another huge year last year, a lot of power, solid speed. 
You know, it's a good plate approach as well. So I'll go Everson Pereira as my second breakout here. Now let's go 31 through 50. For me, that is Harry Berta Hernandez, Michael Harris, Hunter Bishop, Jay Allen, Richie Palacios, James Wood, Isaiah Green, Lonnie White, Peyton Burdick, Austin Hendrick at 40, 41 through 50, Alexander Canario, Seth Beer, Gabriel Gonzalez, Christian Robinson, who we've talked about before. I think he's a good buy right now, especially with how cheap he's going to be in Dynasty Leagues for sure. Hessen Kierstad, another good buy low right now. Gilberto Jimenez, Eric Pena, Kyle Stowers, Joshua Baez, and Christian Franklin at 50. Chris, who you got? All right, so starting at 31 with Travis Swaggerty, followed by Kevin Alcantara, Christian Robinson, Nelson Velasquez, Drew Waters at 35, and 36 through 40 have Cameron Meisner, Peyton Burdick, Alex Ramirez of the Mets, Joshua Baez, Kyle Stowers, and then 41 through 50, I have Heston Kerstad, Zach Deloach, Jay Allen, Jose Ramos, Evan Carter, Anthony Garcia, Lonnie White Jr., Eric Pena, Aaron Zavala, and Hunter Bishop. A lot of fun names in here. A lot of different names. This is obviously the, as you get, we get deeper into the rankings, our names will differ more and more. Uh, but let's end the show here with a few breakouts from this range, uh, or even lower. You guys, it could be even lower in the rankings, but... You know, let's use our usual criteria. Chris, who is the kind of the guys that are kind of post 200 in your rankings right now that have a good chance of really breaking out and moving in top 100, even top 50 in 2022? Well, first one is Gabriel Gonzalez with the Mariners. I think there's there's a lot of hype surrounding his name after he had a strong season, but I don't know if the value's really caught up. You know, I've got him a lot of places in Dynasty League. You could have picked him up for free. We only saw him in the DSL, but he was 17, and he performed like a stud across the board. Power, speed, contact, everything you really want to see, which was was very encouraging. So I like Gabriel Gonzalez to be a potential breakout and an easy riser for me into the top 100. That's a great name. I love him as well. You know, For me, a name I look at uh, in this section of my rank, a couple, so some of the FYPD guys, of course, uh, Jay Allen, I think, has huge breakout potential. James Wood, you know, he is James Wood is just an absolute beast. I think, you know, the power is going to be thirty plus home runs. Deceptive speed there. I mean, you know, obviously, I don't think he'd be fifteen to twenty, but maybe if he's just like eight to ten, and the hit tool has made some strides. You know, it's still early. You know, we'll have to see how that plays out, and if he, you know, he's got the, he's six foot nine, so or six eight, so he's got the longer levers. Usually, those guys get exposed, but. If he can just keep a 250-plus average with that power and a little bit of speed, I think he could be Framel Reyes or a little bit better because he can add in a little bit of speed as well. So love James Wood there. Who's another couple of guys a little bit lower in your rankings, Chris, that you think could break out? Um, sticking in a system and going with uh, Alberto Rodriguez with the Mariners. The Mariners have a just insanely good system. Like It's nuts to me how much talent they have. And Alberto Rodriguez, the hype has not caught up at all like he's one where yeah you can, i, I you like can, him a lot yeah. yeah you can probably get him for virtually nothing but he smacks the ball around he hits it extremely hard he he's very productive i don't know i just like the profile as a whole you saw him last year he he stole 15 bases and that was a kind of a cause of him losing some weight that i read so that was encouraging as well i think that he makes some top 100 lists next year and hopefully makes ours for fantasy purposes because I think this is a pretty dynamic bat here. 
a lot of power, a lot of speed. Really like to see us. And you know, go back. He was acquired for Taiwan Walker back in 2020. So he was he's not really a big name, but he's developing to a big name. So kind of fun Getting to there. see. Yep. Yeah. Which give one more and then I'll give a couple and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, I'm going with uh Ethan Wilson. He was a he's an FYPD actually for this year, and he didn't have a great year to start his professional career, but there was a lot of bad luck go his way. And uh, I've heard Jeff Ponce actually talk about this, where a lot of his expected stats were a lot better than what he actually did. He ran into some bad luck. We saw in, in a ball, he, he hit just two fifteen, and he is, he's one of those guys. I mean, he's from South Alabama, so he didn't play like big time college baseball, but I do like the profile I think It's pretty well-rounded hit power speed, like all could be above average kind of across the board. So he could be a fun one to watch. And, and I really do think he takes that jump. I just want to say that I 100% co-sign on these guys because I was looking for my picks. These are two guys that I considered. All three of you, Gabriel Gonzalez, Alberto Rodriguez. Yeah, these are all guys like Ethan Wilson, all guys I consider with my picks as well. The two I will say here before we get out of here, I'll go uh, Junior uh, Junior Marin in the Royals organization, 6'2", 220, really strong, really athletic. I had a breakout year. I guess not a breakout year. It was his first year, but – Really, really solid showing in the Dominican Summer League. 32 games, 111 plate appearances, 380, 468, 696, seven home runs, eight doubles, and five steals. I said in those 32 games, walked almost as much as he struck out, 16 walks to 19 Ks. So I love the frame. I think there's really, you know, 25, 30 homer bat here, some 10, at least double digit speed in the profile as well. And hit tool looks pretty good so far as well. I think this is the approach. It's small sample size. It's just the rookie ball. Always take these numbers with a grain of salt. But everything I've seen so far out of Junior Marin has been very, very encouraging. And I know our, our boy Jared Perkins has been a big Marin guy as well. So I uh, love Junior Marin there. I think he's going to have a huge, huge year uh, this in 2022. And another guy who, you know, very interesting profile, very interesting stat line in 2021 down in low a that's evan carter from the texas rangers 236 average but a 438 obp 387 slugging it's a very weird slash line he had more walks and strikeouts 34 walks to 28 k's in 32 games added 12 steals but it's low a so don't, don't take that seriously uh, only two home runs but big power projection here he's still only 19 years old 64 190 has some good projection on that frame I think this is a plus power bat again. And there is some speed there. Like I said, even though he had 12 steals and that was because of low a, there is some speed here, at least to add in, you know, five to 10 annually, I think with some good power, high OBP. I just want to see the only question I really have, you know, does he have the average there? Is he a 240 guy? Is he a 270 guy? I think that's going to kind of hinder his value there. Obviously he's walks a ton that, we kind of knew coming in you know, when he was drafted second round back in 2020. And that, you know, that came to fruition this year as well. Like I said 34 walks and only 146 plate appearances is ridiculous. It's over 20% right there. So does keep the carry in check so far. That's encouraging, but if he can make more consistent contact and really tap into that power, add some good bulk. I think Carter could be a huge, huge breakout uh, in 2022 as well. But that's going to wrap us up here. That was a really fun episode, Chris. We went, yeah, a little long, about 74, 75 minutes here uh, at the end of the episode, but a lot of fun names. So yeah, that was yep. that was a blast. That uh, was a good one. A lot of a lot of good talk. Hope everyone got a lot out of this. And you know, outfield's deep for dynasty and prospects. There's some good prospects on the way that are very exciting. So 
yeah, hope you have these guys on your dynasty team. And if not, go out and get them. Absolutely. And then just look at the top, the top three outfield prospects for us. J-Rod, Green, Davis, all going to be up in 2020. That's Green true. early, maybe J-Rod and Davis more midseason, but all these guys should be up. So, yeah, it's a really fun time in the world of outfield prospect, as it always is. But thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back on Monday with our starting pitcher dynasty and prospect rankings. Obviously, that's going to be a fun one as well. Pitching is always fun. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at EricCross04. Chris is at RotoClegg. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ or over on our Patreon. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ or over on our Patreon. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. Asbury Methodist Village and Montgomery County takes senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the whole field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly.